Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today we are taking a break from our regular format to listen to a Sunday sermon given by guest speaker at Redemption Hill Church, Robert Marshall, in a sermon titled Tidings of Great Joy. Now get your Bible to follow along. Well, it's good to be here, and when she says babies don't bite, neither does Mike Tyson. (laughs) They're animals. We had five of them. Well, we started with eight. No, we didn't. We didn't. Oh, I'm kidding. No. I'll show you something, a trick I learned this morning in first service. Look at that. I feel like Freddie Mercury walking around with a mic stand. You know, my wife and I run a helps and encouragement ministry to pastors in the state of Utah. And uh, we go to a lot of different churches. And um, there are a few that we appreciate as much as this house. There's worship in this house. There's respect for the Word of God in this house. Um, You know, uh, Lenny and Hannah, they did a great job today, and I'm really thankful for them. But you know, when I was most blessed, and I really am, I'm really thankful for you guys. It doesn't, it's not diminished by what I'm about to say. When I was most blessed was in the middle of how great thou art when I heard you guys. You know, that song, I'm not, I'm not here for a blessing. It said, bless the Lord, O my soul. It is our, we have a responsibility to bless the Lord. What do you want to look at Jesus for and just say, wow, thanks. What has he done in your life that you just want to say, man, blessings to you. Thank you. Thank you, God. What has he done for you this week, this month, today? That, that's what we come here for. It is to set aside a time. And you know what? Now, listen. Worship, worship according to Psalms, does three things. In Psalm chapter 8, it says it makes, it silences the foe. How many of you have ever felt like the devil was those frogs over in the Revelation that just keeps croaking, won't shut up, keeps telling you how terrible you are, all the things you've done? Has has that ever bothered you? Have you ever been bothered with that voice that just keeps condemning and won't stop? You know what worship does? It silences the foe. It tells the enemy, oh, you have my permission to shut up. That's what it's there for. Yeah, woo. Second thing it does, Psalm 22, says he is enthroned on the praises of Israel. That word enthroned means that he's at rest. It, it, it draws the picture of his feet up on an ottoman. That's that thing out in front of a chair, not somebody from Turkey. It's feet on, with, with, with a blanket over his feet. He's at a place of rest. That means that God's at rest in our presence. Worship creates a place for God to just come and be. And we create that place with our worship. And the third thing it says in Psalm 149 is, it carries out the sentence written against the enemies of God. This is the glory of all his saints. It is our glory to carry out the sentence that was written against the enemies of God, which is Satan and his crew. And what is that sentence? Leave. You're out. Praise creates an environment where it's us and Jesus, where the noise can stop. 
And guys, I tell you what, I, I send people to this church because of you people. Now, I love Steve. Uh, Steve is an amazing, he's, him and Tricia, they're amazing. But you people, your submission to the will of God in your life, man, I'm just so thankful for you. I send people here because this is a safe place. This is a safe house. This is a place where worship is going to go on, where God is going to be blessed, and lives are being changed. And I, I, I'm just so thankful for what goes in. It's going to be, it's going to be a gas. How, many, how long will it be before you guys are in that bit, part of the building and that part of the building there? How long do you think that'll be? Isn't that amazing? Did you say three weeks? Did somebody say three weeks? Okay, let's go, baby. Put that guy out in front. We need that. Friends, what's God going to do here? Because, now, here's what we got to do. we got to be faithful. There's no telling what God's going to do. Here's our responsibility. we got to be faithful. It is required of a steward that a man be found what? Doesn't say successful. Doesn't say handsome, thank God. Doesn't say rich, thank, thank God. What does it say? It is required of a steward that a man be found, didn't say eloquent, didn't say talented, didn't say, said faithful. You can't get around that one. You can be faithful. I had a guy tell me one time, I tell you, I've been doing this for 40 something, six years. I've heard some bonehead things. This was way up there on the list. He said, well, if I, all I have is a mule and you have a tractor, why do I even need to get my mule out of the barn when you can do it so much faster than I can? And it's kind of like, oh, you're lazy. Oh, that, that explains a lot. Friend, I don't care what you have. I don't care if you have a little Pekingese pulling a cute little trailer or you have the biggest tractor available. We got to be faithful to what we have. Because there's coming a day when what I want to hear is, well done. What? You were faithful, not successful. You were faithful. There are a lot of saints who have gone before who don't look successful. How successful did Jesus look on that, hanging on that cross? How, did, how successful did Paul look with his head lobbed off, rolling? How successful does that look? But 2,000 years later. See, faithfulness, faithfulness gets us through. Success is not the key. Faithfulness is the key. And you can be faithful. God has called you to do something. God has called every one of us who have named the name of Christ to do something for his kingdom. And you can be faithful in that. That's what I want to encourage you to do. I'm just thankful that for this church. I send people to this church. I send people to your worship services online because God's doing something here, and I'm really thankful for you. Now, look, let's, let's look in Luke chapter 2. If you have, if you have a Bible, um, either in your hand or on your phone, look, look in Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have one, then I, I have a couple of things to say before we get there that you could actually download one. How does that sound? You can download version or Blue Letter Bible. But um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be talking about tidings of great joy. That there was a time when there were a bunch of shepherds out in a field outside Bethlehem, and they were keeping watch over their flocks by night, right? 
Well, what happened was, outside Bethlehem, there was this limestone cave. It's limestone country, and so there's a cave, and it's not like Carlsbad, you know, this big hole in the ground that you go down, down, down. But it was, it was a horizontal opening that had a shelf above and then the ground, and you come off the shelf and the ground here. And the front of it's about four feet tall, and the back of it's about zero. And you could fit about 120 sheep in there. And across the front, they built a little rock wall, you know, to keep the sheepies in there. And then they left a gate. And at night, they would put like four or five uh, flocks of sheepies in there. And and um, mix them all up in there. And then a shepherd would lay down across the front of the gate. And that's why Jesus said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Ain't nothing getting in there that doesn't go past me, right? And ain't nothing coming out of there because I'm, I'm here to watch. And, um, and then the next morning, they would stand out in front and they would call their sheepies. Well, the only sheepies that would come to that shepherd's voice are his That's why Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice and they follow me. That's what he's referring to. This is a very real experience for that shepherding culture. And so in the middle of the night, all the sheepies are in the cave and they're they're sitting out front and they're smoking their beer and drinking their cigarettes and whatever it is that religious people do when nobody's watching. And um, I don't know what that marijuana is, but you bring it here and I'll drink it. Um, (laughs) And then suddenly, an angel appears. How many of you have ever seen an angel? Anybody? Don't be scared. My wife said, oh, there we go, good. My wife's seen one. A couple of my kids have seen one. And they don't see those little naked baby ones, right, with a properly placed sash. You know what I'm saying? They see those great big bodybuilder ones, you know, that kick things and take names. Anyway, (laughs) never mind. Can you imagine the middle of the night? There are no street lights. It's dark. You can see the stars there. Imagine such a thing. And, And then all of a sudden, this angel shows up. And the Bible says, and the shepherds were freaked out mightily. See, that's what it says in the original. I'd be freaked out too, wouldn't you? And what are the first words the angel says there in verse 10? If there is ever an appropriate message for an event, it is those two words. Fear not. (laughs) They're scared to death. Comes to him and says, fear not. Now look, I have come, I don't want you to be afraid, because I have come for a purpose. I've come for a reason. And then he tells them what it is there in Luke chapter 2, 10 and 11. For behold, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now listen, there are a lot of good news that are for some people. There are a lot of good news that are for a lot of people. But good news that's for all the people, all the people of all time, of all races, of all of all hair, whatever, of all people, all sizes, shapes, nationalities, languages, good news for all people, how can that be? What is, there, what, what is the unifying element among all humanity that is about to be addressed here that will bring good news for all people? What problems are so universal 
that everyone shares in them. How about, how about health problems? Anybody ever had health problems? Anybody ever not had health problems will know who to stone on the way out. <laughs> what? She's only been listening to me for 42 years, and she still gets surprised. Anyway, I have a brother, I have a brother in California. He's 82 years old. Never taken medicine. Doesn't take medicine now. Plays ping pong three, four hours a day. Crazy. Now, he ended up in the hospital with COVID. And they kept him in there. He was in California. And they kept him in there. And his wife would come and stand in the parking lot. And he'd wave out the window. And they'd cry at each other. And, okay, you can quit telling me this. You're making me cry now. Um, but he still, he got out. Doesn't take any medicine. He has no health problems. So... He, he did. That's not a message of joy that he would. How about dental problems? How many rabid anti-dentites? <laughs> I know a guy who's in his late 60s, never had a cavity. There's you one to stone. How about money problems? Any, ever had any money problems? You know who's never had money problems? Mr. Bezos and Mr. Gates. Right? And I'll tell you when Bezos started having problems was when Mrs. Bezos said, I want a divorce. And Mr. Gates had problems when Mrs. Gates found out about Epstein's Island. It was more than a three-hour tour. And their problems were so talked about that what is it going to do to the national economy? They don't, they don't worry about paying their bills. And there's some people who don't have marriage problems because they've never gotten married, never wanted to get married. So theoretically, they have no kids. We can't know for sure. What is, what is the problem that is so universal? And there are some, there are some according to Psalm 73, it says, they are not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. They're always at ease. They increase in riches. I had a pastor one time from a pulpit say out loud, I've never had problems. Never had marriage problems. Never had money problems. Never had kid problems. Never had job problems. Never really had problems. Dear God, don't say that out loud. Jesus was afflicted. He suffered. He suffered in all the ways like we do. How are we going to be able to relate to the hurt of a world around us if we haven't suffered something? Now, now how do you feel about the difficulty you've gone through? That difficulty is what qualifies you, equips you, prepares you for the ministry that God's called you to. I have a sister who has had six miscarriages. That is exactly six more than we ever had. I have no clue how to minister to somebody who's had a miscarriage. But you know who does? My sister, because when she went through miscarriages, who did she go to? She went to the one who can minister. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we go to the Father with our problems so that we can receive mercy so that we can give that mercy to others when they're in the same need. Friends, all of us have problems, and your problems are what qualify you, equip you for your ministry. But with problems so varied... What could possibly be an issue of such universal application that all people of all times and all places have, are going to have experienced, have been impacted by it? It's a good question. We'll look at it in a minute. Let's look at what his statement is. Look at the angel's statement. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
in that one statement we have who, what, when, where, and why. Okay? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is the when? Today. There's born today this baby. Okay? And we're, we're pushing for that, pardon the pun, for McKenna. <laughs> Never mind, sorry. Um, I'll laugh at that on the way home. Um, what is the what? Huh? A baby. The child is born. You got, you got the when today. You got the what? A baby. What is the where? City of David. City of David is Bethlehem. It's a cool place. It's hard to get into. It's even harder to get out to if you're of a different ethnic persuasion than those who currently own the city. But um, it's an interesting place. It's cool to go there. It's not real life-changing, kind of like Hobby Lobby, you know, kind of like Eureka. Um, it's cool to go there. It's not really life-changing. Um, so I don't know what's so great about this. Uh, what is the why? Savior. Oh, well, that's cool. Everybody needs a Savior from something. But is there something that's so universal, so ubiquitous that all humanity of all time has suffered from the, 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 the one solution that this baby is going to provide? That's the, that's the why to be a Savior. And what is the who? Christ the Lord. Now, that word Christ is a loaded word for these shepherds. It means deliverer. It means uh, the, the, the one who takes them out of bondage. And, and they're looking for that because they're currently in bondage to the Romans. And they don't like this occupying force, these foreigners coming into their house and forcing them to feed them and all that jazz. And so they would like to have a deliverer. They'd like to have a Christ. But this Christ is not only going to deliver them. And all they can think of is their current situation, these Romans. But he's also going to be Lord, which means we're going to set up our government. We're going to show these people what it really looks like to have a government. And we're going to teach them a lesson. Now, this is great because Christ the Lord, oh my, this is God in the flesh. This is, this is a pretty big deal. The where, who really cares except for the fact that 500 years prior, there was a dude named Micah, a prophet named Micah, who said, Oh, Bethlehem, you are a blessed city because out of you is going to come the one. So these shepherds knew that passage. They knew the importance of the where. But friends, the, the where isn't as important as the who, which isn't as important as the why. Now, there are a lot of babies born. It's not, it's not about the baby. Thousands of babies have been born in Bethlehem, and who cares? I've met some of them. Some of them live here. Um, but the, uh, it, it, it's not about the where. If it's about the where, then do I have to go there for the where to be blessed there? Air? <laughs> and it's not easy to get there. And it's not about a baby, because babies are born all the time. And babies are adorable. A lot of babies... I saw an adorable baby one time. Is that, what, is that the message that's going to bring great joy? Because you've got to admit, some babies are ugly as homemade sin. I am sorry. Let's just get that out there. You know it's true. It's not because I'm a man. 
Because some babies are ugly as homemade sin. How about that this baby is Christ the Lord? This is important. God in the flesh with us. This is important. But what if he just comes to tell us how terrible we really are? What if he's just coming to remind us how good he is and how good we are not? I, I don't need any more of that. Amen? Do you? How many of you have a conscience that reminds you plenty often enough how you've blown it? If you don't have a conscience, you're a sociopath. There, there's one in 25, welcome to the service. <laughs> That's the number, one in 25 in America. Anyway, we don't need someone telling us more how we've blown it and how terrible we are. If he's coming to do that, I don't know that I want to be around this. But no, that's not what he's coming for. This Christ the Lord, this God in the flesh, and he's coming to us because he loves us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to be around us. How many times have you had someone come and knock on your door and say, I'm not going to turn you loose till I have a relationship with you, and man, we're going we're to be blessed, both of us, by this thing. How Oh, man, that doesn't happen very often, especially when it's the creator of the universe coming. But that's what he came for. He did not come to tell us how miserable we are. John 3, 17 said, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be. What does a Savior do? A Savior saves. Okay, now, we need, we need to be saved. It's either... He saves us or he saves at first security, something and loan. But a savior saves and he has he didn't come to condemn us. He came that through him the world, the whole world, could be saved. And if this is going to be a message that brings joy to all people, what is the common denominator? What is the universal thing that has impacted humanity all through time, continues to, and what is the one thing? Have you been reading ahead? <laughs> We've already asked that question earlier. And friends, the, the source of the joy, the, there's one word in that verse. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. That's cool. Got a baby being born, Bethlehem, cool. Christ the Lord, that's cool. But there's one word in that verse that encapsulates the message of joy. And it is the word, Savior. And all of us need that. It's not the where that matters except for the fulfilled prophecy. It's not even so much the who as it is why. He came here to save. Listen, he stepped out of his light. What is that song? Into our darkness. Can you imagine the shock that that must have been? When you walk out of a bright room into a dark room, you're groping for the light switch. Can you imagine what it was like for the God of creation, for the king? You talk about prince and the pauper. This is king and us. This is a shift beyond which we cannot even begin to conceive. But he made that, he transcended the chasm between us because he wanted so desperately to have a relationship with us. And listen, if all he wanted to do was condemn us, he could have stayed in heaven for that and, and destroyed us from heaven, right? 
He didn't have to come here to tell us we're miserable. He could have stayed in heaven. He came here to share in our suffering so that we could find out we have a Savior who genuinely loves us. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us here at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.